Okay. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Forest Spirituality Podcast. Um, I'm Julie Brett, and um, today I've got an interview for you with a friend that I made over Instagram. Um, he's fairly new to Druidry. He's from Canada, and um, we're just having a little discussion about the differences of our paths uh, in different parts of the world and the different kinds of landscapes we work with and the weather and the animals and the different native traditions and um, and also uh, his name is Skeptical Druid so we get into a little bit about what that means for him and uh, the nature of deity and things that we can find difficult to believe in when we're first setting out on a spiritual path after um, maybe not not ever believing in something like that before which is has been his experience being brought up as an atheist um he's just starting out doing podcasts and uh a series of video um uh vlogs on youtube and um yeah it's worth having a look at somebody else's journey and finding out what it's like for other people around the world so maybe you'll have a look at that um but yeah i hope you enjoy this talk uh yeah, so here we go. We're on. <laughs> Yay. Yay. This is a, a podcast with a new friend um, who is goes by Skeptical Druid and he's from Canada and we what? just met via Instagram and we're just going to do a podcast via Skype, see how it goes. Yay. Yeah. So basically... Um, just for everyone else, I was pretty interested in having you on here because you're sort of new on the the podcast and webcasting journey. And um it's very new. Yeah. And um and you're also in Canada, which is pretty oh, yeah? far away from where I am. But um I'm my husband's from Canada too, so that's kind of interesting as well. Might give us something to talk pretty about. Hot. Yeah. And um yeah, I just thought it would be interesting to hear what the differences were between our paths being in different places and and um follow but following the same tradition and um see yeah how yeah you know so yeah what's what's it been like for you what have you been studying oh pretty much anything and everything that's uh it's it's the one thing that i've noticed like a difference between like listening to your podcasts and just my path is like it seems like, uh, I don't know how to word it good. So I'll just babble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like you guys have a, a lot of awesome festivals and a lot more like open pagans out where you are. Oh, well, Here you it's, know. Uh, I don't not know. Not so much. A lot, a lot of people are in the broom closet still and yeah. kind of hidden. Well, you know, I, I mean, I was um, uh, probably in my mid-20s when I kind of, started finding people and before that I didn't know I didn't know anybody and I didn't know how to find anyone it was really hard you know you have to wow. kind of find the right ways that people are putting themselves out there and sharing information and things like that I think it'll come together you know you'll yeah. find them they'll be there <laughs> actually actually I have recent lady that seems to be on the same like level is me and my wife and we're actually going to be meeting her for the first time today. Cool. Awesome. That's great. What are you going to do? Oh, well, fortunately for us, our house is big enough. We've got a nice fire pit in the backyard and we weren't able to celebrate the solstice last weekend. So we're going to do that this evening with yeah, her. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. That'll be great. Well, good on you for getting out there. So, so um, what kind of things will, will you do? So it's a summer solstice for you, of course. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, well, winter, winter for, you. for us, we're passing it over. <laughs> Catch. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like, um, you know, you read everything that there is to read about the solstice in, in the books that we get, but a, a lot of the time it's either American authors or British authors that you find. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, awesome. like, I was wondering, you know, what's, what, what are you going to do that's kind of makes it Canadian? <laughs> you know? Well... Pretty much, uh, my wife and I, all we've, all we've really done is like, we try and gather, like our book collection is ridiculously huge. Yeah, mine too. And we kind of like my comb through everything and pull out stuff that we like from 
just from all sorts of stuff and bring it together just to kind of make it our own. Yeah, cool. So what's it like for you? Um, I don't know. I mean, like something that's really, really, I find I'm very passionate about is like, I mean, Australia has a very different landscape to the places that people write about. And so for me, making things Australian is really a big part of my practice. And yeah, I was curious as to like, what, what makes it specifically Canadian? I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like I it's maybe the, the summer slightly different or I don't know as if it's just more personal. You said you bring making it more personalized. So yeah, like, uh, I don't know if you heard my one podcast, but it's like, there's, there's some things that I read and I just, it feels a little too hokey, quirky, like, you know, weird. I don't know. It just feels a little weird to me. What, what's, gotta... weird, what's weird to you? Uh, I mean, I, I totally understand. Like, yeah, I know some things that I read are totally um, weird to me as well, but what's weird to you might be different to what's weird to me. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's like uh, you get those people that do those like live action role playing and they get dressed up and run around and like yell what they're doing at each other and they have foam swords and stuff. And you look at them and you're like, you're just ridiculous. Really? But it does look a little... <laughs> I don't know. It looks kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, majority of people, they look at that and it's just like, what are you people doing? Really? And it's just like that's that's yeah that's like the part of my brain that's like oh so you think it's all like the the dress up part of it's a bit weird? Well, no, no, no. I everybody likes to dress up, but like. So what part of it is it that that you find? Because because I I did hear you say in your podcast that um like the idea of deity was difficult for you having come from yes. an atheist background. Oh, that's yeah. um that's interesting. That that's pretty much what what it is it's like when I, I'm almost I actually am kind of jealous of people when they sit there and like I'll I'll hear them talk about that and you know how that like things speak to them and they talk to deity and all this other stuff and I'll I still try and it's like mm. yeah yeah it's hard especially if you're not brought up with anything like um, like for me it was um, just a matter um, of sort of converting the feelings to a different name, I guess, in some yeah. ways, understanding it in different ways in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. But, I've, been, uh, I've been told that like, at least if I'm at this point, it's like, there's you no, know, there's something I'm, I'm trying to, well, <laughs> I don't know you, have you ever watched the, or followed any of the, the Harry Potter books or anything? Um, I, I, I think I just missed it. I was just a little bit too old for those, but I know that a lot of people are really into those and that they were really influential. Like, in I the, bring that the, like... because in the, in the story, they actually call non-magic types muggles. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's always what I refer to. Like the side of me that's, uh, your muggle side that can't believe. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> struggle, spiritual side. That's like, come on. So, so having that kind of a, an opinion, I don't know how, like what's brought you to Druidry if you feel that way, like what, what's appealing to you about it? If, if you have that kind of a, aversion, well, I suppose, to, to the idea of spirits. It's like when, when I hear people talk about when they have like a, a really spiritual experience with deity and working with the gods and goddesses and all that. And it's like, it sounds weird to me, but it's like, I've almost had mo well, I've pretty much have had moments like that when I'll be out wandering the woods by myself or, yeah. you know, just out. Like, I don't know if I, I told you in our conversations before I did five years in the Canadian military and I spent oh, okay. a lot of time out in the bush and even out there, it's like all alone in the dark, looking up at the sky, sky and the stars and I don't know it's just it's almost like I could feel the energy of the planets and it just I don't know it's like it's there's there's enough there that I can't my muggle side can't deny <laughs> yeah yeah well that's that's a funny thing isn't it and that's yeah. I think that's so why what I've was the first time can you tell me a story about something when when that happened or oh like what was the first time you felt that what was it like well, I've felt little things like that, like all through my life, like just 
you know, when you're sitting there on a quiet night and you're just listening and you're out in the middle of nowhere. And it's, I, I swear sometimes I've actually heard like the hum of the planet. Yeah. Like I think the one time that I heard it the loudest was actually when I was up in the Arctic, the Canadian Arctic oh, wow. for like a month there. Yeah. And it was like late at night and I was actually on fire watch. Somebody's always got to stay up and make sure no fires start or anything. And yeah. I remember standing oh, outside where of my Where would a fire and, start? Where, where were you? Uh, it was in the military, and I was up doing Arctic training. So you're, and like, so camping night, out out there? Yeah. You live in tents with stoves. Yeah, right. And so usually one person per tent has to stay up to make sure the tent doesn't light on fire while you're sleeping. Yeah, right. So a stove, yeah. like, for heating? Yep. Yeah, right. And uh, I decided to take, like, a little break and just go outside and have a smoke and walked outside and was just standing there in the quiet and the cold. There was no wind and, like, the sky, and there was the aurora borealis oh my happening. Gosh. And I swear that I could like hear and slightly feel the hum of the planet. And yeah. It was just like such a surreal experience. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's a particularly kind of Canadian experience for you there, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Then the fun part for me was trying to trying to explain that to the other guys in the military, and they're just like, "You're oh. tired. You're, you were making things up." Oh, really? <laughs> Did you? So nobody nobody connected with you on that. No, not really. Yeah. Everyone so, thought I was just tired and seeing things. So I guess, after, after that, things. how did you, how did you like come to, I don't know, how did you work it out for yourself? What, how did, how did their reaction affect you? What was that like? Uh, I've, I've always had friends through my life that have like, especially in the teenage years that have kind of been interested in paganism and stuff. And so you'd always have little talks here or there and okay. like, so I was used to that. Yeah. I don't kind of bring it up hoping to find somebody else, but <laughs> I was like, ah, whatever. If they don't, they didn't hear it, I, you know, I didn't yeah. care. Yeah, it's like real for you, right? So that's all that matters <laughs> in the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much always like that. That's, I would always bring it up here or there with certain people and I'd always get the same reaction. And it actually wasn't until I met my wife and you know, we were talking about, I can't even remember what we were talking about, and I brought something up. I actually said Book of Shadows, and she was like, I've got one of those. Oh, like, really? Cool. Really? What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Like, um, for me, it's it's funny with crystals. I'm I'm kind of similar. Like, I, I like to think of myself as an open-minded skeptic. <laughs> <laughs> I am, um, yeah. Like, there's a, there's a part of me that likes to be skeptical about everything. Um, I went to uni and, and it taught me to be very sort of objective, I guess, or, or trying yeah. to be objective in the way that I see information. And, um, and, and quite, you know, it's a scientific sort of uh, way of looking at things where things Definitely. have to be provable and um, repeatable. Mm. But uh, in, in making jewellery with crystals and working with those crystal energies, I just had weird experiences that I can't explain, um, you know, things that, that, that happen when I'm wearing different kinds of stones and ways that the stones kind of speak to me and say they want to go together or don't want to be together or all kinds mm -hmm. of, you know, strange messages <laughs> that I get from them. Yeah. And, um, I, I, you know, it happens so often that I end up saying, well, it's got to be something, you know? Oh, definitely. Yeah, so you just got to trust it, I think, at a certain point. I think oh, it's yeah. good to I be skeptical though at the same that. time. Like it, it is healthy <laughs> to you yes. know not to not have completely blind faith. Yeah, yeah, to not just go <laughs> believing in the the woo, you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, but also give maybe give the woo a go. Maybe find out yeah. what people are, <laughs> you know, really talking about when they when they talk about it. So yeah, that's why I say open-minded skeptic. I guess your your name is Skeptical Absolutely. Druid kind of appealed yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had a couple of questions Ooh. for you. Um, okay. So I guess I wanted to know what it was that drew you to druidry. Then, if you if you have this kind of, what was it? Was it your friends, or was it meeting your wife, or was it just having these experiences, or, or like what was it that made druidry come into your life specifically? Because there's all sorts of different paths that could have led you there. Yeah, that that would definitely be because of meeting my wife. Okay. You know, we 
yeah, just sitting down and talking together and found that we had like this, the same kind of feeling about stuff. She's, she's a lot more, how did we say it? She's, she, she's a lot more into the woo <laughs> than I am. But, uh, what, what's the woo for you? The uh, magic or yeah. The, the, the magic it's I'll like I'll, I'll, do, I'll do things go through the motions but you know I don't I don't expect things oh, to happen. ritual yeah <laughs> okay yeah cool that's all right I get it yeah, yeah. um but yeah my we, husband's we, not too keen on ritual but he's very spiritual too yeah when the when the missus and I got together started talking about it and exploring it was like that that was the one thing that we found was like you know some people it's like yeah, they can get right behind deity and all that. And for me, it's like I've got to have something. And the one thing that we all have in common is this giant blue ball of awesome that we're sitting on right now. Yeah. So but, you know, I my- mean, to me, to me, deity is, oh, this is a podcast I really wanted to do, actually, on the the nature of deity. Rick, yeah. Do you want to do that with me? Do you want sure. to talk about the nature of deity? So I had this, have this idea that it's like, I mean, it's not my idea. Like, I mean, the one that's appealed to me probably the most is the idea of, of deity being ineffable, right? It's the, it's the mystery. It's um, the essence of life that's sort of throughout all things. It's the animating force. Um, yeah. And it's essentially ineffable. So it can't be explained in words. And any time that you ever do try to explain it in words, it... It, it, ineffable means it can't be spoken. It can't be uttered. It, you know. So if if it's deity totally is if deity is infinite, if there's some kind of infiniteness about it, uh, in that it can't be made finite, given boundaries, then it can't be defined either. Yeah. And therefore, any definition that you ever give it is limited. So it's never going to be enough. Does that make sense? So every uh, yeah, every I definition totally that you ever that. hear <laughs> of what the divine is is always going to be lacking that um, that gnostic element that that part of experience that can't be spoken. Do you know what I mean? Like like yeah. the apple. You know what does the apple taste like? I can tell you a million descriptions of what apples taste like, but that's not eating an apple. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's totally true every definition that you ever find of of what deity is is going to be limited the same way that every description of what an apple is is going to be limited oh yeah definitely it'd be different it's different for every person <clears throat> so maybe you just have to find the description that works for you <laughs> <laughs> well pretty much with me it's 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 the planet and the yeah. trees and the animals and the and the wind and the sky cool all the things that i can see that's that's pretty much what I that's what I I'm I'm behind all that. So do you you don't have any belief in like uh, a spirit of anything? Well, like, like what is it that is the difference between my alive body and my dead body? If I were to die, what what happened? Just my. I've thought stopped. about that quite a bit, and it's like I it it goes back and forth in my mind. <laughs> I guess it all depends on the day with me, but it's like you got that very logical mind that's like you know this is just a freak accident our what we're doing right now is just trained responses to each other there's nothing here when we die it's over yeah and then there's the other part that's like i believe that the the whole universe is just this one big thing that we can't quite understand and it's like if you if you've ever like looked into the science of like you know the the theory of how like the universe was created and how it slowly got to where we are now. Mm. It's like, it used to be this, everything used to be so big and vast. And it's like all the solar systems and planets and stars have coalesced into like these smaller things getting smaller and smaller and smaller, almost like the universe is trying to like create little facets of itself to like understand itself. And so like, that's what I think it is. It's like, it's getting smaller. I thought every explanation I've heard is that it's getting bigger. Oh, well, like the Big Bang kind of theory, or are you talking about something else? Yeah, like the Big Bang, like the universe exploded and it was like just vast gas 
filling the universe and then it slowly started to condense into like stars yeah oh okay in like those the, stars yeah okay like turning from yeah, chaos into into form yeah yeah and the stars they explode and then they form planets and whatever and they crash and explode and keep going and it's like it seems like that keeps breaking down getting smaller and smaller Mm -hmm. But like creating little facets of like you and me and technology and other things that we don't even know about. And yeah. I, you know, I heard, I read this once that it was like, we are, we are just the universe trying to figure itself out what it is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm very influenced by, um, yogic thought and ideas like, um, the Brahman Atman. Do you know that one? Do you know the story of Brahma nope. and the, and Maya? I don't. It's a beautiful story. I really like it. I wish it was a Druidry story. <laughs> so, Bra Brahman, I think it's, it's either Brahma or Brahman. I get mixed up. I think it's Brahman is, um, is like the, the deity before being, I guess, or it's the, all the universe as one, the oneness thing yep. idea. Right. So, um, Brahman is by himself. He is the universe. And then um, he suddenly becomes aware of himself, which is illusion, which, and the word for illusion is Maya. And um, Maya says, why don't we play a game? And Brahman is bored and says, okay, let's play a game. And the game that Maya sets is for Brahman to be shattered into um, a hundred million things, like, which is sort of the, the word for like, you know, infinite things. And, um, yeah. and to forget who he is. And the game is that he has to try and remember. Oh, that's an awesome story. I know, isn't it cool? <laughs> that sounds like exactly what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's awesome, hey? Yeah, so that's like a really ancient story. I love it. Oh, it's great. I, I really like that. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, that's, that's what it's about. And the Atman is um, the little piece of Brahman that's within us. The little bit of of the wholeness that needs to remember what it is so the little piece of the universe in each of us that needs to remember that it's the universe so that's that's probably the little spark that keeps me looking to the sky yeah yeah and going hey i know you <laughs> yeah yeah thanks for sharing the story that's awesome that's all right it's it's one of my favorites it's a cool one mm. I love, I love sharing stories. It's a nice part of Druidry. It's, I don't know enough of the, the Celtic ones, really. Some of them are a little obscure. Yeah. Or a lot obscure sometimes. <laughs> a lot of lists of names and things. But, but sometimes I think that they had their own interesting purposes, but that's another podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. So much to say. But, uh, yeah, on deity, though... Um, I think a lot of the time in, in those the Celtic stories, it's not the same kind of deity that they're talking about. I think that the, the closest to a, a deity type energy that I've ever come across in Druidry is Arwen. And, um, and to me, that's, that's probably the most important sort of spiritual energy that I work with in Druidry. Um, but then there's the stories which have, you know, in inverted commas, deities in them but i think that that was kind of a romanization like when the romans came and they were like well that's mars and that's you know venus and you know they'd name all of them and say they were deities and then yeah. christianity came and said no you know like the same way that they were saying that other deities were bad in rome they were saying that yeah. you know and and it sort of it wasn't a deity i don't think it was i mean i think they were as well kind of but, but it's more like they were heroes and archetypes and um, essences of, you know, they, they, it was almost a psychology, you know? Yeah. Does that, does that make sense? Like ways of understanding different parts of our world? Yeah. And the how warrior and the mother things. and the, you know, different, different aspects. And hero stories, you know, I think a lot of them were just was people who did something pretty impressive and then the story got elaborated on and exaggerated and changed. Um, yeah, it turns you know, into fantastical legends. it was a good story. And yeah. it, 
it meant something and it was like um you know and i think there's something that you can learn in the use of your own arwen in that 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 exaggeration is a way of telling a good story you know mm-hmm. it makes it more exciting and in a way more real because of that ineffableness that can't be spoken you know yeah. you have to make it more like bigger than life for it to really encapsulate that deity aspect, which is the... And to keep people's attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, the wow factor, you know? Like, you didn't just stand there and see lights in the sky when you saw a, boreal, a Borealis. You saw, you know, I don't know, you, you know, some, Actually, something... I, you'd I, have to think of something a little bit more poetic and, and full-on to really explain that experience. Do you know what I mean? Yes, actually, like the like we we see the aurora quite a bit up here, especially in the winter in Canada. Wow, and like, I've never seen I had it. Nev- I'd love to see it one day. Really? Yeah, <laughs> we have an aurora. I guess it's like one of the. <laughs> oh, but it's, I guess you it's have one to of those things that Canadians take for granted. Yeah, for sure. Like, well, I'd I'd seen it quite a few times growing up, and it happens all the time through the winter. But like up there in the Arctic, I had never seen it that clear and vivid before. Wow, it's like. It How cold like, was it there? Uh, the coldest, well, the coldest I experienced up in the Arctic was minus 70 with the wind chill. That's Celsius. <laughs> I don't understand what that would be like. And, uh, it, got and, to, uh, it got to zero here. And we're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> we got about five centimeters of snow. And we were, people were driving up here in droves this morning. <laughs> to see the snow? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, Aurora Borealis is just, like, really exotic. That's, yeah, like, yeah, it actually looks like, uh, I can't explain what those, there's, like, these. I've seen like videos and movies and stuff, but I can't, I, you know, I'm sure it's nothing like the real thing. Yeah, it almost looked like a, a silk, uh, um, I can't remember the dancers it is. Oh, like it's hanging like, down? Yeah, it's like... A curtain? Yeah, look almost like a, a long string of, uh, of silk that was slowly like waving in the sky. But it wow. also, um, there were parts of it that would dance up and down, almost look like piano keys that would like fluctuate in and out. So it, like it, it's so hard to explain. It was, it, it's, it's really something to see. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because the thing that you can never see in the videos is depth, you know, yeah. and it just it just must be amazing. What do you think? Sometimes it, what's the meaning of it like for you? Does it have a meaning? What do you feel when you see it? Like I don't know. I don't know. It because it's always been there. It it kind of it, it just gives me like a happy, warm feeling. I yeah. I enjoy. There's several times, like as a kid camping, it was like I couldn't go to sleep. I would just lie there and just watch it for hours until it yeah. just goes away, go back, and then eventually go to sleep. And, Does it happen yeah. all night? Uh, it'll come in spurts. Like there's been some times where it will last all night and it'll be super bright, and then other times you'll go outside and you'll just barely see some of it up in the sky. Mm. And it'll maybe last for a few minutes and go away. It's interesting, isn't it? There's always these bits of nature that make us have these moments. For me, it's like like the ocean, like when I live down by the beach. And um, mm-hmm. up here we get good stars. And the waterfalls are really nice up here. Mm, waterfalls. Yeah, it's nice. It's very, very hilly here. It's pretty flat where you are, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very flat. You're in the central area? Yep. Pretty yeah. much center of the prairies. What's it like there? Nice and windy. Do you get snow a lot of the year? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah? Actually, like last year, it, it, it comes and goes. It goes with like a whole cycle kind of thing. Like this year, this winter that just passed, we had barely any snow. It even rained in January, which is really weird for us. Usually that's like oh, January, right, February. because that's it's warm. our coldest months. Yeah. And yeah, I, I remember like January twenty fifth, standing outside, and it was like plus five and raining. I'm like, what yeah, is going right. on? <laughs> I hope this isn't global warming. A global confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's different. So, so how many months a year do you get snow then? Uh, 
on average close to seven. Yeah. So how does that work yeah. for you? That's a lot. Oh wow. yeah, pretty much. Uh, September twenty fourth is like that is the day when like we could get snow on that day and till pretty much like May. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, we, I mean, we're, we're like, oh, my gosh, if, if there's, like, one day of snow a year. And, and, <laughs> and we'll have months and months of it. Yesterday, yesterday was the day. <laughs> Pretty close. But, but they, they might have some more this year. Apparently, it's, they're going to have some more next week. So we'll have an extra lucky year of two snowfalls, maybe. <laughs> oh, wow. I last, last not, not the winter that I just passed out of, but the winter before, we had uh, oh, ridiculous, like, records amounts of snow. Yeah. Like, the one morning I woke up to go to work, and there was actually, like, three feet of snow outside. I can't even imagine, really, yeah. like, living I just, there. I mean, I've lived in places with snow, but not that much. So, so, like, I mean, I, I want to get back to talking about Druidry, I'm just itching to ask you this question about how that relates to your like wheel of the year. Like the wheel of the year and adapting it to local areas is one of my passions. <laughs> really like, yeah, I don't know if you ever came across my blog. Um, I don't have yet. Yeah, um, anyway, check it out and, and people listening, check it out too. It's um, Druids Down Under, Druids Down Under, all one word, dot blogspot.com.au. And, um, yeah, on there I explain a few things about how to make a local wheel of the year for your area. And, um, Ooh. yeah, so because in Australia it's just completely different. Like, we, I mean, you saw my photo the other day walking through the forest in the middle of winter. It's, it's not, like, <laughs> yeah, it it's still like green, summer. you know. It's green everywhere. There's maybe a few ornamental trees in our gardens that might lose their leaves, but, but the bush is still green all year round. Um, yeah, with here, you definitely get all four seasons, yeah. sometimes in one day, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, we get all four seasons, just not the trees losing. Like, our trees lose their leaves in the springtime and their bark as well because um, they get too hot and so they just drop them all. Oh. And it's like a pre preparation for fire coming because they, they want to be on fire. Because a lot oh. of our, our trees don't um, don't go to seed. They don't. Their seeds don't get germinated unless they get over 180 degrees. Oh. So oh. they have to have a fire to germinate. So, yeah. So they they like shed all their bark to create tinder, basically, so that it encourages fire. So we do a lot of back burning here to stop them, or you know, to to reseed it as well. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so so our summertime is is like you know spring is like when we're kind of letting go of stuff, mm -hmm. like you know all the the trees are, and then summertime is is like a burning time, like a a, a death and rebirth time oh, for the fire. And yeah, but there's there's like yeah, I kind of explore a bunch of things that it's fun. Um, but yeah, just imagine it would be quite different um, thinking about the wheel of the year with, with seven months of snow. <laughs> yeah. like, I, uh, <clears throat> how does that go? Like, it's actually, it, it's pretty neat when it comes to like, uh, yeah, you've, you've now got me thinking about things that I've never really like really focused on, especially with like the Good. season. <laughs> uh, I like this. <laughs> just, uh, I guess, you know, you just take it for granted wherever you are. You just, just assume it's always the same kind of everywhere else, but yeah. you know, it's, I, I always love, like, because me, I was born in the fall, and I always love the fall, and um, even though that the snow might come, it's like, it's it's not as cold as it should, as it could be, um, you know, it's just like the smells and the feel and the cool air, and it's like, ah, uh, hard to explain, like, how, it, it almost seems like the up here in Canada, just because the ch seasons change so drastically, it's like you, you get such a different feel or a like a vibe, I guess. Like yeah. Fall, fall up here would actually be like majority of people's favorite time of the year. Yeah, right. Especially, oh, because it, 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 it gets stupid hot here sometimes and we're, you know, cold most of the year. So what's, at first we're like, hooray. What's hot for you? Uh, plus 30. Aw, bless. <laughs> 
<laughs> is, is that normal That's like for a pretty you? average day in summer, yeah. Oh, gosh. No, no, we get 45 sometimes. Oh, yeah. that's ridiculous. That, that's ridiculous. Yeah, 45 is crazy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah for, for most of us Canadians, 22 would where we'd be happy. Oh, yeah, 22 is nice. Yeah, but that's, yeah. yeah, we had that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and then when fall comes, it pretty much drops down and it's, it hovers around plus 5 to plus 15. It just goes back and forth there with the cool winds and the leaves falling off the trees. And, yeah, so when oh, do the leaves fall off the trees there? They start, start falling off around September. Oh, okay. And when do, when are they all gone? Like, what's your like bare tree time? Like, <laughs> pretty much by October. Oh, okay. Because like, I mean, it's only around winter solstice here, and we've still got a lot of red leaves on the trees. Oh wow! Yeah, they'll yeah, they'll fall been... off in the next couple of weeks. But like, you know, it's it's past the winter solstice, and they're still there because it's just not. Yeah, cold actually, enough. there's trees in my neighborhood that uh, the. We, we actually have trees sometimes that are, that are starting to grow new growth when they still have their autumn leaves on them. They don't actually... Oh, that would look cool. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> we got both on at the same time sometimes. Sorry, what were you going to say? I, I interrupted you. <laughs> uh, that there's actually like quite a few trees here in the... Well, around where I live that actually start turning sooner. Like in the middle of August, they'll start to... Well, near the end of August, the leaves will start turning yellow. Wow. And then that's when everybody starts complaining. Oh, winter's coming. Already in August. Yeah. yeah. Until the cool breezes starts and then everybody gets all excited because, you know, fall and eating and... Yeah. It's interesting. That's, that's feeling... like a big difference between our two places, isn't it? So... Yeah. 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 So, so do you ever find looking at the, the Wheel of the Year festivals that they don't align for you? Or have they always oh, no. felt like they make sense? Uh, they, they usually line up. It's usually the fall and the spring ones that kind of, it's iffy, depending. Yeah. It's, it's really good when the, the spring equinox falls like perfectly and the snow's melting and you can see the green start popping up through the, the snow and everything's melting and getting warmer. And, yeah. But then sometimes winter will last a bit longer and you're like, it's the spring equinox and it's like minus like 25 and it, the wind's blowing sideways and there's four feet of snow. and <laughs> Yeah, oh, I've kind of, in a way, just let go of it all. I just go, I'm just going to do a ritual now, and I'm going to celebrate yeah. whatever's happening now. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty much what things we yeah. all have to do. It's like I don't I don't want to know what some book tells me nature's supposed to be doing. I'm I'm going to celebrate what's happening outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever that is, I want to be in in line with that, yeah. rather than a book. Yeah. So that's fun. Um, oh yeah, so like, so we talked a bit about the animals, I mean, sorry, about the plants and stuff and snow and seasons and things, but what about animals? It's like, do you, do you ever work with, um, animal energies and things like that? Uh, my dogs. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's a domesticated one though. I mean, like, you know, your local kind of native animals. Like, you, I mean, you've got like, what, beavers and, um, moose, moose and... All kinds of wolves, yeah, stuff biotes. that you know you don't get in in like Celtic countries and Britain, yeah. you know, Druid land. So I don't know. How does that work for you? Do you work with those animals much? Actually, when I went to go record my first podcast, uh, right where or my oh. first vlog on my YouTube channel, there was a there was some beavers close by. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I actually had to, well, they, they can be vicious little creatures, so I, they actually, like, were warning me to move. Yeah. <laughs> I was walking along, and I was like, oh, this is a perfect place to set up, and then I heard the slapping of their tails, and there they were, like, being aggressive, so I had to move further down, but I found a better spot to wow, park. Wow, I didn't ever think anyway. as being aggressive. What, what, are the, what is their nature like? Well, they, they, they hang out by themselves, and they, they usually set up their dams, but when you start coming near their dams, they, they'll start slapping their tails on the water, oh, and they'll okay. actually come out of the water and stick their tails up in the air, smack them on the ground, and growl at you, and they'll charge. And... Oh, really? <laughs> Do people ever get attacked by them? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, some, it's most of the time by accident, too. When people are out hiking, they'll come by an area where a beaver's just chopping down a tree, and they'll stumble on it, and the beaver will just charge and start biting their legs. How and... big a tree can they chop down? 
huge, any size of tree, any size of tree, really. Really. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing. That's um, that's some pretty interesting energy there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. A lot of the animals, they're very like majestic and they're awesome to watch. But you really have to keep your distance from most animals. Yeah. In our, it's, they they will turn and they will attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't have anything like that here. Just um, but I mean, I got chased by an emu once. Oh really? Yeah. Um, my, my parents have this farm property and, um, there was, there used to be a few emus on it and they got a little bit feisty. Unfortunately, they ended up, some, somebody thought it would be a good idea to shoot them, which was very sad. But, um, but before that happened, one of them followed me across the, across the, it was on an island in a river. Like they, they followed me across this island for ages and they, they make this thumping noise in their chest. Um, it sounds like a drum. That's that's how they make a sound. It's really weird. Like that's cool. Yeah, and really intimidating. And they have like serrated um, forearms, like on the backs of their like where their wrists would be. It's serrated yeah. so that they could scratch you with the forearm, and then like like with their forearm, and then with their claws. Pretty scary. But um, oh. generally, emus will just run away from you. They were they were probably too tame. But that's that's a oh and dingoes. But you don't get many dingoes. Oh, you got me thinking now <clears throat> about animals. Yeah. Um I think about the closest thing that I've had, like I guess to a almost like a spiritual like working with the animal experiences. Like out here there's like do you know what a coyote is? Oh yeah. It's like a Small dog, is it different to a coyote, kind of... or is that the same thing? It's just a different way to say it. Yeah, it's just a different way to say it. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they they're they're almost like a nuisance here where yeah. I live. <clears throat> and uh, like eating yeah, garbage, uh, kind of nuisance. Like or, oh yeah 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 they'll come into the yards. They'll actually like bug the dogs. Sometimes you actually can't like let your dogs out. Like. Yeah, right. You have to make sure your fences are good because they'll get in and they'll attack your dogs. Wow. But uh, I just remember I was actually out camping the one time, and I remember, you know, we're all just having having drinks around the fire, and so I was like, oh, I got to go relieve myself, go wander out into the woods. And I remember standing there in the dark, and all you could hear was just, like, the footsteps of them, and then the light from the campfire behind me was, like, lighting their eyes up, and I noticed that there was probably, like, four or five of them around me. Spooky. Which, yeah, well, can be kind of like, uh-oh, because they're pack animals and they yeah. hunt in packs. So <clears throat> I had that moment, but they just they just sat there and stared at me, and we kind of, that's you know, just just stared for a few minutes. And yeah, I wanted to back away, but I didn't want. I was like wondering, like, what are we doing here? And yeah, right. So you had a bit of a moment with them. Yeah, it, it went from scared to curious. Yeah. I almost felt like they were doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, my husband talks about the coyotes, coyotes, <laughs> as, um, as being curious that they would be around when he would light a fire in the woods and stuff back home. Oh, yeah, they'll come into your campsites and start digging through your stuff if you leave yeah, it out. Right. Yeah, right. So that's, that's kind of like dingoes. Um, uh, we, my family used to go to Fraser Island a lot when I was a kid, which is... Um, it's in Queensland, so it's a it's a fair trek from here. It's about a thousand kilometers away, um, but it's oh, actually more than that, bit bit more than a thousand. Um, but yeah, it's like one of the only areas of Australia where they had purebred dingoes. I think they might have. Oh, wow. They they had so many tourists go there that they ended up getting a bit dangerous, and I think they ended up culling them and killing them all, which is really sad when they do stuff like that. I really wish that they moved them. But um, I don't know, maybe they did. Maybe I just got the wrong information. But they, they were pretty scary too. And, yeah, we, we'd have to, like, if we were camping in an area where there were a lot of them, we'd have to put all of our um, camping food into a cage um, that they would have um, for the campers. And if you left anything in your tent, they would just, like, rip your tent open oh, yeah. and come in. And, um, yeah, sometimes they can be a bit intimidating and follow you. But, you um, just reminded um, me. Oh. Yeah. But, when, yeah, was, but uh, they, when they're healthy, they don't at all. Um, dingoes yeah. will just give you their space. It's only when they've gotten used to eating people's rubbish and things like that that they'll come into 
and be intimidating and getting people's space. Usually they're pretty, they're pretty shy and they'll just leave you alone. <laughs> they're pretty beautiful. <laughs> and dingoes don't, don't bark, they only howl. Oh really? So, yeah. Yeah, they're kind of cool. That's, yeah, that's like the wolves out here. The oh, wolves really? don't bark. They only, oh, I didn't only know that. howl. Interesting. Yeah. Ah, cool. Um, but yeah, you just reminded me when you said culling. Um, the one thing that I thought was neat when I was up in the Arctic was uh, the humans have been so intertwined with the ecosystem up in the Arctic that it actually relies on us up there. Oh, wow. Um, what happens is like you have reindeer that are all over the Arctic. Yeah. And the timber wolf, which is this, like, I, like it is an... It almost seems like unreal when you see a timber wolf, like how big they are. Like oh. they're like the size of a deer. Like these I wolves don't know are how massive. Big a deer is. Oh, I'm trying is to think it of like, something. Uh, like a horse. Like these oh, things would really? be like a small horse. Yeah, like they're huge. Um, oh my gosh. And up and pretty much timber wolves, they they're like lone wolf creatures, and yeah, so they right. they hunt all by themselves and they live off of reindeer. Well because of something that um, upset the ecosystem like hundreds of years ago, <clears throat> it always goes back and forth. So the timber wolves will hunt and there'll be lots of reindeer so they'll get full and then they won't hunt as much so then the reindeer become overpopulated and they will go through and just rip up ecosystems. Like I thought the craziest thing was I was ice fishing and then one of the Inuit guides that was with us said, oh, look over there and it looked like just a, an island with a group of trees out in the middle of this lake. And I was like, is that group of trees moving? And he's like, yeah, because that's a 5,000 head of reindeer. Wow. Like, what? And so uh, fortunately, while we were up there, they were actually, they have to do, like it goes back and forth every couple of years. They'll have a reindeer culling <clears throat> to like thin the herd out. And then, of course, when they thin the herd out, then the timber wolves get more in population and then there's too much of them. So then they have to do a, a culling of them, and it goes back and forth and back and forth. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was really interesting up there to see and, like, got to learn. Well, I didn't get to learn. I got to watch of skinning and dealing with the animals and stuff. And I actually got to watch the, the Inuit ceremonies that they do and the respect they give to the animals. Like, even though they were dropping reindeer left, right, and center in the herds, it was, like, very respectful, and they had little ceremonies for them every night and, it was awesome. really cool. Yeah, yeah. that's something I, else I was going to ask you about, actually, is how you, how maybe um, information from the native people, um, like how does that relate to your druidry? Because um, oh. that's something that that's something that I strive to do here is to you know respect the the local sacred sites and and find out Aboriginal stories about the animals and. Or just customs and, and things like that. Oh, so, yeah. I've, I've yeah. looked into that quite a bit there. It's like, that's actually one thing I've heard about with, uh, with Druidry is that there's not confirmed accounts, but they've, I've heard stories. Well, I've heard them say that they were, they've heard stories that, like, they think that the, the ancient Celts may have come to this side of the world and actually met, like, the Native Americans here. And oh, really? There's, like, old drawings and stuff. Yeah, it was on the the Obad Druid cast, they were talking about it. Yeah, right. Yeah, like that it seems like there's a lot of similarities because it's like one with the earth and following like the, essentially just listening to the planet and the animal spirits. Yeah. Yeah. I've wanted to look into it more. <laughs> yeah, so so how did you end up um, doing some, some work with the Inuit guide? Was that when you were doing the military work? Yep, that's what we were up there. Right. We, uh, we were just up there to help sure make sure that we didn't do anything wrong or you know freeze to death or whatever. And it was neat. It was just like every time they would do certain things, like well, especially when they would drop, you know, a few reindeer with their rifles and then bring them back before prepping them. They would have like they would start a little fire and yeah, like essentially give like offerings like taking little bits off of like trees and things and throwing them into the fire and they were even doing like little chants while they were skinning them and wow it wasn't like loud and overbearing it was kind of like you know like one of the really really old guys he was it would just seem like an old guy humming throwing stuff in the fire while he was skinning <clears throat> yeah 
I got to help out with one and fortunately got to bring the antlers back from there. Oh, what a so gift. I still have, yeah, I still have those antlers. They're actually sitting on one of our altars. Awesome. That's so cool. So, yeah, so the, um, so they were, they were people that were up in the, the Arctic region that you were working mm -hmm. in. So is, how far away from there are you now? Like, do you live a long way from there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. So it's not the same group of people that you would live near now? No, no, completely different. And do you, do you ever have any contact with the people that live in your area now? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually kind of a sad state of affairs here in Canada when it mm. comes to, like, the, the native people of, uh, of Canada. Mm. Just because of the, the things that have happened in the past, yeah. it created this cycle of bad. It was like they, they took all, I don't know if you know any of this story about oh, I'm sure how it's they... It's really similar in Australia. Um, yeah, did yeah, they How have, they pretty much took the land and locked them up into reserves, yeah. essentially. Yeah, the same here. And, uh, really sad. Yeah, how, how they have it, too, is like if... Uh, if an indigenous person lives on the reserve, they get money and benefits from the government. Yeah. But if they leave the reserve, they don't get it anymore because then they're technically like a normal citizen. Yeah. And so a lot of them, they stay on these reserves and the reserves aren't really set up good anymore. So there's lots of like alcohol and drug problems and, you know, it's kind of sad, but you do get a lot of people. There's, there's a new movement that's actually been started in our area of like a tribe that's been trying to bring people in because it seemed like it was always a us against them kind of feel mm -hmm. and now this tribe's been like you know what no we need to share this it's a Canadian culture we should all be part of this oh, and they nice. have powwows and dances and fires and they you know it's a big public event and awesome I think there's such a like a beautiful opportunity not always I mean you know some indigenous people aren't necessarily interested in what we do um, but yeah. I think some people that are open to it, there's a, a beautiful point of conversation there, a beautiful thing that we can learn from each other and, you know, deepen, deepen the wisdom that everybody has. Oh, I, I love their drumming too. Oh, oh. it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, um, I've got a couple more little questions before we finish up. Ooh, go ahead. Um, what do you think has been your biggest lesson so far in what you've learned about Druidry? Biggest lesson so far? Well, I don't know. Try and have more of an open mind. Ah. <laughs> Be an open-minded skeptical druid. I, I think. I think more. Uh, I think a better one would be to listen. Yes. Trying to quiet my mind and just listen instead of instantly like, you know, saying things or just assuming. Yes. I agree. Because, well, like, getting back to that Aurora Borealis, it's like, even still, when it would be super bright in the sky and very in your face to even when it was just finely in the sky, I always would, I, as even still, will hear that hum and slightly feel it, almost like the vibration, you know. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Listening, yeah, it's so important. Listen more than you speak. Yeah. I agree. Cool. And, um... Maybe maybe it's related for you. The biggest challenge? The biggest challenge. <laughs> Trying to let go of <laughs> the, the, the skeptical. <laughs> we'll still have it there, but try try not to be so analytical. I can't think of the word. Yeah, or need, needing empirical evidence. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, science-y. Try, yeah, try. it's like I, I'm a big fan fan of like fantasy and science fiction and it's like yeah. I can when I sit down and read those stories or watch the movies or play the games I can easily just like let myself go and just enjoy it and I I, I hope that I can one day apply that same thing to my spiritual path yeah <laughs> well I think it's curiosity right curiosity is the the way to go when it when it comes to finding to working with your spirituality in, in lots of different ways, you know, just, just think, I wonder what that's going to bring about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where's that going to, you know, what happens if I just believed it? What, you know, 
I'll just see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Give it a go and then and then forget about it, you know. Maybe yeah. maybe something will happen. But you've got to you've got to give it a chance, don't you? I think. Yeah. To um to see. Yeah. Yeah, because otherwise you can miss the magic, I think. Mm -hmm, definitely. Yeah, life life can be a bit a bit stale if we just think that it's just, you know. Working in bills. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, working in bills it can there can be magic in that too. You know. If we just think it's just kind of stuff. You know, yeah. I think I think there's there's this metaphysical, there's this extra side of what's going on in existence, you know, the unseen yes. um, part of what's going on that is the difference between tasting the apple and reading a description. Mm -hmm. And that and, and you can only you can only taste it by biting into the apple, you know? Give it a go. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, you're only gonna find out if the diviner you know, accessible in your meditations if you try and meet them in your meditations or if you, mm. you know. I, I mean, for me, the biggest one is, is, is with Arwen and doing my creative work. I know when it's there. I can't deny it, you know. I mean, have you yeah. ever, have, do you do any kind of craft work or, or art or poetry or writing or anything like that? No, like they, they talk about that in the Obod course that I've still been trying to do for years now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but, um, so have I. I'm I haven't even got that, through the Bardic course yet. Yeah, me neither. It's still yeah. sitting there. I, yeah. I get back to it every once in a while. Every, every time I read these things, they just tell me to go out into the forest and so. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> you forget all of them. <laughs> and I stay there. <laughs> but yeah, so, so yeah. I, I mean, I believe everybody has an art um, and it, mm -hmm. you know, it could be anything. What, That's what actually what I'm hoping is what will happen with my with my vlog and podcast and blogging. I'm hoping that that will inspire. Have, I know you do you do pretty good video editing there. I certainly can't do any video editing, so it seems pretty good to me. Um, but um, you know, I, I mean, just to understand what I'm trying to say about Arwen. I think there's a moment um, when you're doing your art, whatever your art is, that you you let go and you see yourself doing it without having to think about doing it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, where, where you find the flow. I mean, do you drive a car? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so like, remember when you were driving a car and you were first starting driving, you couldn't, you had to think about it a lot and, you know, and it was all oh, confusing yeah. and there was this step and that step and it was... You know, there was a lot to think about, but now you just drive a car and you can have a conversation, you can play with the radio, you can, yeah. you know, there's, you can do all sorts of things because you found the flow. Yeah, actually, it's, it's kind of like that when I've, when I've made the YouTube videos, actually, the, the, the hardest part is like, usually even before I start, it's like, I can see what I want. Yes. And it's like, it's trying, like, even the YouTube videos that I've made so far, it's, they're not exactly what I want. It frustrates me. But in order to get to that place, I just got to keep doing them. Yes. But also let go a little bit. <laughs> that's that's pretty much what yeah my yeah, wife and trust. some other people have said well yeah even you said you're like just just do it just upload it just, yeah just just talk yeah. <laughs> just do it yeah because um yeah like speaking in your podcasts there's like a there's like this uh, egoic barrier where we're like worried and that we're not doing the right thing but there's yeah. there's that that point where you just go I'm just gonna trust and and give it a go and that's when you're biting into the apple you know that's when you're tasting yeah. that experience of having that something else that divineness come through you it's just creativity yeah yeah and there's something about that being there that makes what you do really good you know um yeah i think every all art is created sort of through us but not necessarily by us you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's how I experience the divine, anyway. So yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. So 
I guess that's all my questions, unless you wanted to ask me anything, seeing as this is a swap cast. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There really isn't. <laughs> I keep finding it hard because it's like, you know, I, I, I binged listen to all your podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, every once in a while I kind of zoned out. I'm like, wait a minute. It's actually we're recording here. I'm not just listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're part of it now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hooray. Woohoo! <laughs> it's been awesome talking to you. So, yes, yeah, thanks awesome. a lot for being you part too. of it. <laughs> no well, problem. Good luck with everything you're doing. And um, oh. if people want to watch your journey, they can find you. The Is it The Skeptical Druid or just Skeptical Druid? The Skeptical Druid. Just Skeptical Druid, okay. And you're on, on YouTube, YouTube. And Facebook, yeah. Instagram. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Yeah, he's got lots of inspirational pictures out there on Instagram. Definitely worth following for something nice to look at. Yeah, just to see someone else's journey. I think it's nice to share and, and see the diversity of different people around the world. So, yeah, thanks so much for being on. It's been really cool. Yeah, it's been fun.